morning are Psalms 138, 1 through 5, and 3, 1 through 8. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, everyone. So good to be with you. Filling in for, for Pastor Chris, he asked me to pinch hit, and I said, I'm, I'm willing to pinch hit. I just don't want to be a regular starter. You know, yeah, that's how that goes. And the sermon, you know, the sermon, um, I guess, I, you know, I don't think it'll be intermediate or advanced. And I, and, and I hope not strenuous. <laughs> Well, no, John, you know, John Calvin was the one who started this idea of being a Presbyterian brand church. And uh, Calvin called the book of Psalms a mirror, a mirror. Because the Psalms reflect, you know, all of our moods in our experience as human beings. In the Psalms, you'll find joy and you'll find sorrow. You'll find excitement and you'll find deep depression. You'll find confidence You'll also find doubt. You'll find triumph and defeat. I think the Psalms contain the whole of the music that is in our souls. There's lament and penitence. There's praise and prayer. There's remembrance. There's prophecy. There's public worship. There's private devotion. And so this morning, I thought we would look at how our personal prayer time can be shaped by two very different types of Psalms. Two different expressions to God and his word for us. We read from Psalm 138, which is a psalm of praise. There are many, many psalms of praise throughout the 150 psalms. And so I've got to ask, you know, why did you come to church today? Right? I mean, why are you here? What are you doing? Why do people show up for worship on a, a summer Sunday morning like this? 
I mean, some people come to church out of a a sense of history or habit or tradition. Some come to assuage guilt or to satisfy some family uh, expectations. Anybody here get dragged to church today? I know that several of the children did. (laughs) Some people come uh, to church to gain favor with God as if he's impressed by our attendance, you know especially if you have one of those perfect attendance pins that they used to give out to kids, you know. There was no chance I was going to get one of those. (laughs) Some people show up for business contacts or to find a Friday night date. Some, yeah. Let me know, anybody, okay. (laughs) Some people come occasionally, you know, because they have this vague feeling that it's good for them. Others come out of a desperation that they're sincerely looking for God. We, we, we prayed for those who are desperately looking for God. In Psalm 138, David explores the best motive for worship. God's people come to worship the Lord together because of who God is, for his covenant love, and for the truth to take hold in our lives. We come to worship to praise, to praise God. I hope that was one of the first things you said to yourself when I asked. In fact, the very first word in the psalm can be translated either to give praise or to give thanks. I will praise you, Lord. I will give thanks with all my heart. And that's a comprehensive word, you know, praising God for who he is, thanking God for what he has done. And both are important in our worship and in our personal prayer, praise and thanks. Of course, praise is to honor God. It's to ascribe to God the ultimate, infinite uh, worth. Of course, the Psalms, uh, Israel's worship book, is filled with these ascriptions of praise like this. In fact, in in Psalm 22, we have this one. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. I hope that's why we came to church this morning. Because because God's salvation came particularly in the person and work of Jesus Christ, praise is heard everywhere, right? On the occasion of Jesus' birth, a great company of the heavenly host appeared praising God in Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest. And that's why Christmas is such a joyful holiday. In his healing ministry, the response was praise. In Luke 13, Jesus placed his hands on, on the women who had been crippled for 18 years. And it says, immediately she straightened up and Praise God. You remember one of the ten leopards who had been healed came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked them, thanked him. When Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time, we heard that ascription of praise, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. So praise and worship. Of course, it finds its... Uh, It's climax in the book of Revelation. Here's what John sees and hears in in Revelation 19. I heard a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! 
Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Of course, this giving of thanks, this giving of praise was, you know, a focus of Old Testament worship. We read it uh, in in the Psalms this morning. I will bow down toward your holy temple. I will praise your name and give thanks for your unfailing love and faithfulness. You know, whenever anyone actually experiences God's covenant love, when you experience protection, or when you experience deliverance, when you see and notice the sovereign acts of salvation, we're bound to give praise and thanks to the Lord. In the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson renders Psalm 138 like this. I love it, very simple. Thank you, (laughs) right? Everything in me says thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel in worship facing your holy temple and I say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. And so friends, in your everyday prayers, you know, keep this disposition not only in your heart but at the very forefront for the Lord. Praise and thanks. But now for something completely different, (laughs) right? Here's a, here's a picture of the house I grew up in North Jersey, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. It was a, it was a four bedroom, three story home with an unfinished ac- attic and an unfinished basement. And I say unfinished or, or semi-finished basement. That's, it, we called it a cellar. That's how bad it was, <laughs> you know, in the cellar. And, um, and yeah, you know, four bedrooms. Let's see, my, my mom and dad, my mom and dad had a bedroom. My sister had a bedroom. And then the seven boys shared two bedrooms. <laughs> that was quite an experience growing up there, you know? My, my six brothers and one sister, eight of us who grew up at 406 Hillside Avenue. This was the last time we all gathered at that house uh, before, just after my mom passed away. And then we sold it. Oh my gosh. I've got to go back and knock on the door sometime, you know, just say hi. <laughs> well, you know, as a child, um, I found both the attic and the cellar uh, very scary places to be alone, right? Whenever heading upstairs from the basement, first of all, you had to shut off the light, light at the bottom of the stairs. There wasn't one at the top. You had to shut it off at the bottom and then run up the stairs, you know? It was crazy. And there were, there were four or five uh, railing posts right at the bottom of the stairs as I started up the stair. And, and usually my heart would skip a beat imagining some monster or enemy that my older brothers told me all about, <laughs> just waiting to grab my legs. You know, we had, we had the red Hessian. <laughs> we had Joe the bear and some others. Then the fear was tangible. But you know, as adults, uh, we too can be faced with very scary challenges, right? By night or day. I mean, we're confronted with challenges that are real or even imagined. And they can paralyze us, make life fearful. You know, a diagnosis of cancer. Um, Retirement plans being torched by the falling market. Oh boy, am I feeling that one right now. Newly retired and dependent on some of that income is like, 
Last night I'm figuring out if, if it stays this way, how many years do I have <laughs> before I'm done, you know? Or an impending divorce. Our adult children even can be facing overwhelming problems. Worry over a loss of job or, or failure in career. Um, you know, facing over, just, just terrible problems, not being able to make end, ends meet. And I just say, wow. I mean, the list just keeps coming. And so what do you think? Are, are you afraid yet? <laughs> I mean, scared like me, just waiting for one of those monsters to grab you. Well, Psalm 3 that we read is, is among the many psalms of lament or complaint found uh, in the Bible. And so, friends, it's okay, please, it's okay to express your fears to the Lord, to express your doubts or your disappointments to God. I mean, for David... Um, the pressure was on and being intensified. You might have seen the subtitle from Psalm 3 that was up there. It reads, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And you can read all about this struggle in David's life in 2 Samuel chapters uh, 13 to 19. You know, go home and read that sometime. It's a, you know, it's a nice section of, of David facing a really tough time. Of course, the Psalms are very unique in their interpretation of scripture the Psalms are at, at, at one time God's word to us but they are also our words to God I don't think that happens in many other places in scripture you know where it's our words to God are part of the equation of God's word to us they help express ourselves to God they help us to consider God's ways for our lives and Psalm 3 does exactly that it begins with an address to the Lord. It's actually God's personal name here, Yahweh, right? And David pours out honestly, forcefully, a complaint, a problem, a lament. And he says, Lord. I'm sure David didn't just fold his hands and close his eyes and say, Lord. He was saying, Lord, how many are my foes? In other lament psalms and complaint psalms, we hear, hear these cries as well. Again from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why are you so far from saving me? In Psalm 42, my tears have been my food day and night. Psalm 71, my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. Psalm 120, too long, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Psalm 142, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. But then David works through his complaint. He works through his lament in Psalm 3. He speaks to God then of, of his faith with words of trust, deliverance, assurance, and praise. Right? We read it. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. From the Lord comes deliverance. What a great pattern for prayer, that is. Express your trouble, your crisis, difficulty, lament, but then trust. Trust in the Lord, in who he is and what he does and what he will do. And it's important that our prayers are balanced. You know, requests, yes, but appreciation. Complaints, yes, but also confidence. 
I can remember many times, you know, with Wednesday night prayer meeting, whenever it was, you'd gather with people and it seems like the complaints just kept coming and coming, you know, prayers of problems and problems. And every once in a while I would say to a group, okay, now, okay, give me some things to praise God, you know, give thanks to God. And it's kind of quiet. I go, come on, come on, people, come on, <laughs> you know. Because whenever you face a problem in life, whether it's big or small, let's face it, you have a choice. You, you can turn away from God or you can turn toward him. You know, there are people who use troubles uh, to justify unbelief. I'm sure you've heard it from someone maybe many different times. People say things like, I can't believe in a God who, and fill in the blank. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, if that's part of reality, I can't believe in God. But the Lord invites, invites us to use difficulties to spur on and, and, and spur us on and grow in faith and trust. In 1 Peter 5, he writes this. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And one of my favorite verses of the Bible, right? Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Wow. Boy, if I could only live by that one. Cast my anxieties on him because he cares for me. You know, David was inspired to be honest with the Lord as he worded his complaint and appeal. And uh, we too can become more willing to express ourselves to God openly without covering up or covering over our problems. As Absalom's attempted coup and his following grows, David makes his complaint. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God won't deliver him. David must have been saying to himself, you know, what should I do? Author Gene Edwards uh, wrote a wonderful little book called A Tale of Three Kings. It's following Saul, David, and then the would-be Absalom. A Tale of Three Kings. It follows David's struggle as, as he approaches this crazy King Saul before him, right? And then, of course, he, he deals with the upstart Absalom after him. Back when Saul was the older man, king of Israel, and the young and popular David burst onto the scene, David refused to dishonor Saul. He refused to seek the throne. But now, David is the older man, king of Israel. When the young and popular Absalom bursts onto the scene, but this time Absalom, the younger man, does seek to undermine the king and pursue the throne. Edwards imagines David thinking this. Hmm, if I stop him, will I still be a David? If I stop him, will I not be Saul? In my youth I was David, in my old age I intend to be David still, even if it costs me a throne, a kingdom, and perhaps my head. He says to himself, think on it. God once delivered a defenseless shepherd boy from the powerful mad king. He can yet deliver an old ruler from an ambitious young rebel. It's a great read, uh, Tale of Three Kings. Get a hold of it somehow. It's great. 
Because along with the increase of his problems, David also was experiencing attacks on his faith, right? People were saying, there's no help for him in God. God won't deliver him. You know, this word that's here for help or deliver is from the, the root word Hebrew for yesh, Yeshua. Yeshua, Jesus, the one who saves. They're saying there's no Jesus for him, <laughs> proclaims Absalom and his followers. The first attack, of course, God has abandoned you. The second, you aren't worth his attention anyway. The third attack is the conclusion that you should just give up on faith in him and just turn somewhere else for help. So friends, in the midst of life's challenges and difficulties or failures, disasters, isn't it, isn't it the skepticism of others who can get to us? Or even our own self-doubt can battle against the faith in our hearts. But then, as we saw, Psalm 3 makes the turn. This is such an important turn to make. In verse 3, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, but you, Lord, are my glory, the one who lifts my head. David's head must have been quite lowered by the shame of his son Absalom's revolt. Can you imagine what that felt like? But the God who protects and provides will go on to lift his head. God is the one who restores dignity in our lives. And David concludes the psalm with his confidence, trust in God. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord, we read, right? From the Lord comes deliverance. And again, the word here for salvation and for deliverance comes from Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our deliverance. So when facing problems in life, you know, fear can do very interesting things to us, right? I mean, I would literally shake and shudder as I sprinted up the stairs from that childhood cellar. Fear can propel us to fight, can urge us to flee, can cause us to freeze, can throw us into a panic. And I've done all four, <laughs> you know. I imagine you have too. David collapses on his, uh, on his faith in God and in God's faithfulness. He puts his trust in the Lord yet again, and God wants you and me to do the same. So remember the psalms of praise but also the psalms of lament or complaint. Express your struggle honestly, directly from the heart to the Lord. And then reaffirm your, your, your trust and faith in God, the Lord, the Savior who loves and redeems you. Because he is Yeshua, Jesus, Redeemer, Savior. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord God, thank you for your word that can be such an encouragement to us, even as we share our words with you. You are a God who loves to hear from your children. You are a God who, who is very present in our lives. And when things are, are directed toward you, we can't help but praise your name and just see your glory and, and know you are the God of all. And when things are difficult, Lord, you, you promise to come alongside us. We can express our our anger, our frustration, our, our hurts, our disappointments, whatever they are. You listen, Lord, and then you make a change in our hearts. You deal with us and you, you call us to declare who you are. 
and we can trust you for all things, past, present, and future, to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.